This is a funny one because I, I don't really think I am a natural born trader in any right. What was that sort of big turning point for you where you started seeing things you know, go in the right direction? Yeah, the thing that really did it was I actually noticed it quite quickly. I think because I was at the point where it was really the last missing piece. Because to that point, like I said, I was making some money, throwing most of it away. I was thinking, you know, what is it that's causing this? So as soon as I started... I know you've had like 14 million worth of funding go through your student accounts and 4 million uh, worth of payouts, which is outstanding. Now, how did you progress with your own funding? All right, folks, we've got James Edwards on the show today. Now, James is a professional trader who's had some crazy results with his students, 14 million in funding and over 4 million in payouts. It's crazy stuff. Now, look, uh, we recorded a video after this where he breaks down his trading strategy in full. So you're going to get to see what he's been teaching his students and how they're getting such great results. Also, other things happening here at Trading Up, we've got the mystery trader who is uh, on the Telegram channel. So if you do want to check out those trades dropping there, go and check them out. Uh, we've also had our first trader to pass the Blue Guardian phase one of the challenge in the live streams. That's Gensler. So well done, Gensler. So you can follow his journey every week when we drop those little update videos. And if you want to see the guys trading uh, live on the live streams, then please subscribe on the YouTube channel for that. All right, folks, enough from me. Let's get on with this show. Our sponsor, Blue Guardian, is the only prop firm that gives their traders a tool to protect them from hitting their max daily loss and over trading. It's super simple to use. Just set the Guardian protector each day from your dashboard. Did you also know that they've just released an unlimited time evaluation with a zero trading days requirement, giving you plenty of time to hit their low 8 and 4% targets, making it super fast to get funded. Plus, it's cheaper than the 40-day time limit evaluation. Check out the link and coupon in the description to get 10% off your next Blue Guardian evaluation. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got James Edwards in the house from JEAFX. He's a professional trader, been trading uh, full-time for the last three and a half years, been trading for six or to seven years. Welcome to the show, James, all the way over there in the UK. Hello. You're right. Hey, look, I'm I'm interested to hear your story in terms of how you got into uh, this systematic, I think, approach to trading is what I've what I've seen. Uh, how did it all start? Where, where were you six years ago, and what got you into trading? the The first thing was um, I was just at a nine to five job. Um, I was doing SEO, so kind of a digital marketing type thing. Uh, I found it really unfulfilling. So <laughs> one day I was looking around on YouTube for passive income ideas. And uh, in one of the videos, up came trading. Obviously, as we know, it's not very passive. But that was uh, the, the the birth of it. I decided to open a uh, demo account. And um, by luck, made £4,000 on my lunch break. And um, obviously, it was fake money. But that's kind of then sparked the idea. So I think had that trade lost, I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the... the so it was £4,000 of your lunch break, which was like a 10-lot trade or something on it. Oh, yeah, I something. can't even remember. It was yeah. it was a ten thousand pound account, so it definitely shouldn't have been that big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so so uh, all right. So how did you how did the story go from there? Um, for, well, then I lost all the money on the demo account. Um, put some money into a live account, lost that as well. Spent the first like year just losing basically all the money I got paid. Um, then I realized well, it started out with like signal groups and things like that. Realized they were not going to work for me. Decided to learn for myself, was too stubborn to buy education. Um, I was going with support and resistance, trend lines and things like that to start with, which obviously <clears throat> for some people will be fine, but I couldn't get it to work. Um, and then I came across a PDF about supply and demand. That was kind of the the, the changing point, which were just literally very simple supply and demand zone trading. Um, but then I kind of built off of that and then just random bits from online. Um, not so much baby pips, that's where I started, but tidbits of information online and YouTube and stuff. There was way less education, I believe, than there is now, but just little bits and bits and pieces and uh, put it all together and slowly over time managed to get it to work. Took like a another year of losing after that, but into the, the start of um, the end of the second year, started to put it together a bit. So yeah, just uh, kind of progressed okay. it from there. So so you sort of took like little bits and bobs from, from here and, and pulled them together to, to, um, to put, create this system now i'm gonna th i'm gonna throw a curveball in here because i just literally watched the video on your channel saying just follow the path and don't deviate and take bits from here and there and, and put it all together i mean what was the what was the difference for you in that respect um because you've obviously seen go guys go through your program and deviate and go and grab little bits and match it with stuff that probably doesn't work 
what was the yeah. difference that you did back then? Well, the differentiator is not that it's not going to work eventually, but it's the fact that while I was doing that, I also lost $30,000. <laughs> so, you know, it's possible, but the self-teaching journey, which is why I always say you can do it. Um, it's essentially if you will go through someone's program or go through a course or something, you're, you're buying time. Um, you know, you, you essentially get to the goal faster, probably encounter less losses yourself. And I say that from experience because I was too stubborn to do it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the differentiator. If you want right. to lose $30,000, go for it. But, <laughs> you know, that's why it, I kind of put forward the, the point of, yeah. Okay. Go, well, so it's, how how okay. do you piece together or how did you piece it together if you sort of go into the minutiae? I mean, can you talk us through like a typical day of you trying to find information, put it together with the system and uh, I suppose validate it somehow? Yeah, really, it was all kind of simple and pulling the system together because what I trade with um, is just structure. So that was like very baseline information, you know, higher highs and higher lows. Um, supply and demand zones, which obviously that PDF guide I was on about portrayed that idea to me. And then the other thing was imbalances, which um, I just I can't even really remember where I learned it from. But it's just a very simple idea that if the market you know, has a huge up or down move, it leaves an open space that's generally going to be filled. So then kind of just worked off of those three things. Um, that worked for a bit. I was just trying to put together, okay, so I'd, you know, use structure to work out the direction, then find a supply and demand zone above or below an imbalance, and then look for an entry from there. Same thing for targets. Um, Backtested that. Then ran into the concept of kind of liquidity, which I'd heard about a lot, but not really considered. And I realized that's where a lot of my losses were coming from because I didn't have that kind of in my system. Um, so I... I toyed with the idea of uh, making sure I wasn't kind of at these liquidity areas, liquidity points. And uh, that's pretty much all my system is. And then I use macroeconomics as well. So really, it's not like I had loads of complicated stuff to work with. It was just trends, supply and demand, imbalances as kind of the core concepts. So um, yeah, it was just a case of putting it all together, testing it out in back tests, um, failing a bit until I kind of worked out where the, the good, good points and bad points to get in, get out were. Uh, and then yeah, over time, just just pulled it in from there, which is, I think, why it took a while because I was doing, although two years is not too bad, it was um, hours and hours and hours a day, not a lot of sleep <laughs> in uh, yeah. the, the kind of testing process. It, I mean, it, it sounds like you've all, you almost sort of went through and methodically pulled the market to, to pieces and yeah. worked out like how it's kind of worked as a whole so that you could get in essentially anywhere I mean, this is what i'm guessing anyway is that is that kind yeah. of how it works like but you're obviously not going to get in everywhere because or anywhere because you, you've got sort of extra rules that help i suppose increase your edge what yeah what was um how did you manage to do that like sort of piece it together to really get a good understanding of the the core underlying mechanics behind the market i mean when it started out it was simply just kind of pattern recognition um in the early days of looking at these different concepts, I wasn't really thinking too much of the logic behind it. It was simply the, you know, I would look for that pattern of where we get a big push, which is going to be where a proper structure point breaks. Uh, and another thing is I would trade on the high timeframes back then exclusively. So this was like four hour charts minimum, really. So a lot less full signals than if you were day trading, you know, where you, you could see that the pattern looks like it's going to be perfect a hundred times a day and it loses every time. But when you're on the high timeframes, it's a, uh, a lot less common, so less false signals there. Um, but yeah, really to start with, it was just kind of the pattern recognition of looking for the same thing over and over again, which is why I kind of um, pushed the the concept of trying to learn something systematic that's less discretionary. So you can kind of, uh, you know, you get a flow with it. When you understand your pattern and your kind of setup, then you can continue to repeat it. And um, yeah, I always think as well, one of the best things that a trader can do once you have kind of a solid edge from the thing that you just mentioned as well about uh, the video I made, putting things together. Um, once you get to a certain point, studying from your own charts is what I think is the best thing you can do. And that's kind of what I did, but I just wasted some time and money beforehand. But I think when you get to a certain degree where you have a few concepts, breaking down your trades is kind of the best way to go with it. And that's kind of how I got how I got to the point of uh, being able to make money with it. And I think that's a, a good way to do it. So it's interesting that you stayed on that or stuck on the higher timeframes to start off with. I mean, what was the, I suppose, mental 
uh, journey to get to the higher timeframes? Because I think a, a lot of people do struggle with with that and they sort of dive into the lower and they never get out of there. Um, and I speak yeah. for myself in, in that respect for a lot of years. H- how did you manage to get there so quickly? And what was it like when you were doing, you know, hours and hours a day uh, and using the higher time frame, which only gives you maybe, you know, six candles that you can work with? Yeah. Yeah. So most of the uh, hours a day that I was doing things was kind of study. So just looking over the charts and kind of looking at previous price action. Um, for me, I do see that nowadays. We Like most people will come in, go on the low time frames, And even if they can't make it work, they won't go to the high time frames because, you know, they're just kind of stubborn, get a bit stuck there. When I came into it, I kind of came in the other way. So swing trading was kind of the cool thing for me. That's what I wanted to do. So I never had the kind of uh, lure of the low timeframes. I only moved to them when it was during around the end of 2019. Um, COVID messed up the markets. I, I, I had like a massive phase where I just kept getting whipsawed out of trades after like being profitable in them for like a week. So then I moved down. But for me, when I started, yeah, swing trading was like the thing I wanted to do. So I was never really lured onto the low timeframes. So uh, that was quite easy. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. I avoided that case. <laughs> so did you have like a, almost like a sort of mindset around, I'm not in it for the quick, quick buck, quick money, get rich quick kind of thing from the outset? Yeah, because when I was looking for um, essentially an exit from nine to five jobs, all I wanted was something that would be passive that would make me the same money that my job was making me. So I figured, look, if I could take this trade and it wins, I don't have to do anything for the rest of the month, essentially. Do you know what I mean? So that's kind of the way I went into it. And then obviously... You get a bit more passionate about trading and you get more interested in learning more and more of the mechanics of it. But um, yeah, when I started out, I was dead set on the high timeframes because that's what I wanted to do. So, And, yeah. and so when you when you break that down and I'm I'm not too sure whether or not you're trading your own money or, or prop fair money, were you, uh, how, how did you sort of do the maths to make sure that you were going to be able to cover your, let's call it a salary from your, your day job? Yeah. So um Back then, I had the super twisted perception. Um, when I first started out, I thought I was going to do like uh, 20% months every month. Nowadays, um, I know most people don't do that. I generally am not going to be hitting 20% in a month unless uh, something insanely lucky happens. <laughs> so <laughs> then I was just, it was with my own money. I didn't even know prop firms existed then. I think really the only one on the block was FTMO. Um, my friend told me about them and that kind of kicked off where it really started to get interesting. Um, but yeah, I think really my initial kind of thing was the fact when I first started, I was very young, so I wasn't really making much money anyway uh, in a job. And I kind of had the wrong perception as to how much money I could make trading from the money that I had available at the time. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> an unfortunate uh, start. But when you kind of get your perception right and prop firms came around and I had more money saved up and stuff, it all worked out in the end. <laughs> right, right. So, so so there was no like big spreadsheet where you worked it out and said, okay, well, if I do this, that, and the other thing I can make my salary based on on this uh, win rate and risk to reward ratio. Nothing yeah, like that. I it, just, was, it was kind of like yeah. a finger in the ear. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that if I can go for, you know, this um, target each month or whatever, if I can achieve this percentage, which obviously, as we know, varies a lot in reality. Um, and also with obviously me doing loads of backtesting, um, you get better results in backtesting than live trading, just as a given generally, because there's mm-hmm. going to be things that you miss um, when you're in the live market or you might get out of a trade early uh, and you don't account for really in profit taking uh, in backtesting. Sometimes you won't account for like early profit taking and things like that. So I had like amplified results with a system that was working, but the results were obviously amplified and then obviously a bad perception of how much I could make. Um, so yeah, at the time I did have concept as to how much I needed to make each month and, you know, whether the system was capable of it, but it was a bit blown out of proportion as to, <laughs> yeah, the, the reality. It's funny. It's funny that, isn't it? I mean, because it backtests, like somebody will go and backtest, including myself, will go and backtest something and it'll, it'll look great. And then you get a live trader and all of a sudden these things that you kind of, I don't know, either overlooked or didn't think yeah. would be a factor come in and screw up your win rate or screw up yeah. potential trades things that even as simple as like oh get in here and the market just didn't quite get there and yeah. you missed that whole trade which was the big winner but you got all the losers on the other end of it i mean what, what <laughs> were some of the sort of pain points that you had with that back test to, to live and how did you overcome them i think the biggest thing for me was it's interruption, I notice, um, because obviously if I do a back test or let's say someone I teach or someone who just reaches out to me has done some back tests and I send them over, um, they're always, yeah, incredible results, but it's kind of hard to translate those to live trading 
because I think of interruption. Um, so like if I have a trade that in backtest did like 5%, but in reality that trade, you know, in the backtest lasted six days or 10 days, for example, in reality, it might get to Friday and instead of holding it over the weekend, I'm going to close it early. Yeah. So then by the end of the month, that tallies up as, you know, I took only half of the profit that in a backtest where there's no emotion and you can skip through the charts at a million miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, you don't consider the kind of early closures and all that type of stuff. So I think it's the interruption um, from kind of human decision making in backtest. There's no emotion. You can skip through the charts at like, yeah, you could you could backtest half a year of data in like a couple of days, you know, if you were dead set on it. So you don't consider like how long you should really be waiting in reality. And it's kind of the, the bits like that or how long you can maintain holding a trade without worrying that it's going to turn around when there's real money on the line. I think yeah. that's what the, the discrepancy between backtest results and live results end up coming out as. Folks, Black Bull Markets have 10 merch packs to give away to clients who sign up before the end of the year, including one of these trader keys. So to go in the draw, all you need to do is sign up with the link below this video or in the podcast description, and you'll go in the draw to win. It's that simple. And remember, folks, when you sign up to Black Bull Markets through the trading nut link below, you're going to get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. All you need to do is click the link in the description below the video or the podcast. I mean, I think I, I, I'm a sort of culprit for that as well. And I'm not a culprit. I, now, nowadays, I will look at the actual entry compared to where the profit was and go, would I sit through, would I, being honest yeah. with myself, would I sit through the 10 bars that are just horizontal? It's not going anywhere. <laughs> and then it goes to profit. Is that something I'm going to sit through? Probably not. I'm, I'm probably yeah. going to get out of break even and just, look for another trade so yeah it is it is interesting now what about um your typical day back then when you were, were going through that journey of back testing stuff i mean i'm i don't don't know did you still have the day job or had you just given yeah. up everything to and so so how did you fit that into your day routine <laughs> to get hours and hours at the charts to come up with a strategy and you know execute it it was kind of an all-in type scenario so um i kind of messed up my jobs a bit uh <laughs> i got let go um, and then the, the second place I went to wasn't too happy with me either because I probably spent a bit more time than I should have, um, you know, not working right. at work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, I just had this all in mentality. And then when I was at home, I was pretty much doing nothing else. Uh, I would go to sleep at like 2 a.m. and then get up at 7, carry on <laughs> and go to work again. So it probably wasn't, I wouldn't advise it really for uh, health purposes but right. at the time yeah i was just super streamlined and yeah that's a, how i just got loads of hours in because I, I pretty much just totally committed to it because uh after i'd got sucked into it i just couldn't let it go you know so <laughs> it, it became like my passion then yeah and, and what 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 was that sort of big turning point for you where you started seeing things you know go in the right direction yeah the thing that really did it was kind of tracking emotions and processes which is something i don't hear people saying enough um, because I got to a point where I had a system I knew worked, but I was interfering with it. And it would be the, for a while, it was a point where I would make money, but I would throw, let's say 70 to 90% of it away. So I would still end up with some profit. So I was still just about profitable, but I was basically making good money doing it and then throwing it away. Um, which was due to me interfering with things, basically getting scared in a trade, closing it before you know like if it dipped a bit into drawdown closing it too soon or closing it too early when it was in profit um or hesitating altogether because i've just taken say two losses on the run-up to this trade um so i started tracking the emotions and how well i was following my processes and that's actually um just a little side note a good book recommendation which kicked that off was the daily trading coach by brett steenberger he talks about oh, doing okay. um daily trading reports essentially um, I did make one, a little one that I just give out as well. Um, but that's what I used. It was just tracking how well am I following processes? And if I'm not following them well, why not? And I would look at that each day, compare it to my trades and say, okay, today I could have had this 4R trade, for example, but I closed it at one because I was scared or I closed it in drawdown because I thought it wasn't going to work. And then kind of internalizing that pain of me making stupid mistakes and killing the profits. Uh, that's kind of what got me to the mm. point where it actually started ramping up because I before that it was so easy to ignore the emotion side like or ignore my interferences because you know you have a losing day if you're not tracking all this stuff you forget by tomorrow that you you caused the losing day um <laughs> so it was tracking all that stuff that kind of got me in tune with it and that's what I yeah 
put a lot of the actual success to is, is making sure to track essentially everything, which is a bit boring for most traders. Most people don't want to do it, but it does definitely help. And how did you do that? Like what physical or, or online kind yeah. of tool did you use? That was just paper to pen. So just a notebook and a pen for the, um, the because uh, it's just a mind, mindset processes. It's just, I just write it down. I find that paper to pen with things like that as well. You kind of take it in more. Um, it's mm. a bit more personal than, you know, typing on a computer. So that was a bit of the theory behind that. But yeah, just literally I printed them out. I, I made a little thing, printed it out and just filled it in each day. And can you give us like an example of what you would write in in a, in a day where you screwed yourself over? Yeah. So I, I basically would like grade it from like one to 10, for example. So let's say I have the processes section um, and the emotion section. So processes, if I did do something stupid, let's say I closed a trade at break even before it ran because I was scared of it. Um, you would essentially just write down. Um, so found a nice trade today. Uh, it was a systematic trade, had the target prepped, had the entry prepped, took the trade. But then because of, let's say, two hours of sideways price action, I panicked and got out. Then the trade ran, hit the target. If I'd have followed my system, I would have won. But I ended up leaving for, let's say, minus 0.1% or something. So then having that written down in your processes, obviously, then the emotions bit is going to be what led me to do that. In that case, it's probably going to be, you know, hesitation or fear, fear of losing, um, even though the risk is defined. Um, and then having those two things, when you move into the next day or the next week and you can see, okay, yesterday I had a good trade. If I'd have followed my system, I would have done well. But because I had the fear of losing out, I ended up messing it up by closing it when I shouldn't have closed it. That's kind of what you get in there. Um, that's going to tell me what went wrong, why it went wrong, and how I can avoid it tomorrow, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's, it, uh, look, it's a great habit, and it's probably one of those ones that I suppose people are going to struggle with because it is that, like, you're not going to see that immediate payoff until yeah. probably, how long would you say, like, did you start seeing things turn around after you started the journal? I actually noticed it quite quickly. I think because I was at the point where it was really the last missing piece. So it was literally probably within a few weeks, I started to notice that I could improve upon, um, you know, the points. Because up to that point, like I said, I was making some money, throwing most of it away. I was thinking, you know, what is it that's causing this? So as soon as I started tracking this down, I knew exactly what was causing me to make the mistake. So for me, it worked really quickly. I think if you were earlier in your journey and you still had to kind of work out a technical or fundamental strategy or something, Obviously, it's going to take longer because you don't really have your processes dialed in yet. But I would recommend to any traders who are at that point where you feel like you know what you're doing, but you just can't get the profits to to stay, essentially. That's definitely one big tip that I would say is is, is focus on the, the process um, and the emotion journaling and get pen to paper so that every day after you've had a good day or a bad day, you can see exactly what it is that caused that. Now, the, the, the tipping point in terms of like, I suppose, the, the financial side, I mean, was that uh when you found the prop firms or were you were you managed did you yeah. were you able to do it on the oh it was okay so you, you did prof so i know you've had like four, almost 14 million dollars worth of funding go through your student accounts like so they've all managed to get that and almost four million in, in terms of payouts which is outstanding uh i mean how did you sort of progress with the the whole sort of funding aspect of it challenges yes. that sort of thing so uh yeah, I had a reasonable live account, but nothing crazy. Um, then the prop firms came around. My friend told me about them. Um, I was like, wow, seems too good to be true. <laughs> but I tried I tried it out. I did an FTMO. Um, I think I think the first one I failed, it was a small one. The first ones I did, I think, were £35,000 with FTMO. So the first one I actually passed was £35,000 account. Then um, I just naturally progressed from there. Initially with FTMO, um, I'm currently not trading with FTMO. There's a lot of ups and downs with prop firms. Um, <laughs> I've got a bunch of bits about it on psychology where I've, you know, it's very easy to lose an account if you if you make a slip up. So I'm not currently with FTMO, but that's where it started. Um, 35,000, then a 100,000. Um, then I believe that might have been it with them. And then the big one was my Forex funds, which obviously just exploded. But that's where a lot of the, the capital was. Uh, oh, <laughs> I had... I had prior to the the whole fiasco a couple of weeks ago, 1.2. So um, oh, man. half of it's gone, <laughs> but we we bounce back. It's it's just one of those. I think the the thing with prop firms is you always have to suggest use prop firms to build personal accounts because we never know, you know, <laughs> when, when something like that can happen. Yeah, um, it's a big, big lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, really, it was just 
the same old system, natural progression. I started with a small account just to, because I, to be honest, when I first started it, I thought it was too good to be true. Um, at that point as well, I don't really recall anyone except for like FTMO and the five percenters being around. Um, there probably was more, but those are the only ones I knew of. Uh, and it was, yeah, following on maybe the year or so after that, that it's really started to kind of snowball into a big industry. So yeah, definitely good. Um, opens a lot of opportunity, but it's also obviously a bit of a dangerous game um, because of how accessible it is now as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, and did you have any special sort of tricks for passing challenges or was it just like the, the tried and true method you were using? Yeah, just just very boring. Um, I would just do, because of the targets being 8% or 10%, just 1% risk per trade, but that was initial balance. So I wouldn't compound the risk or anything. It was just, if I was trading $100,000, $1,000 risk per trade, every trade, um, until you either pass it or fail it. So I don't try to do like no uh, special tricks with it because I find I tried that once and um, yeah, it just gets gets a bit out of control. I think just the standard go with your, you know, 1% risk, work with your system. That generally is going to work well. And obviously if you trade in um, a challenge that has say 5% max drawdown, just half it. So you do half percent risk instead. You know, you want about 10, 10 bullets basically before you uh, you lose the account. That's normally going to be fine. You know, 10 trade losing streaks, yeah. not too common. I think the only thing that people really mess it up with is uh, you get quite emotional on challenges, but that's that's what's given me the best odds. I think that's what works best. And do you keep the same with the, the like phase two, if you're going to phase two? Um, yeah. So if there's, if it's a two phase challenge, I just do exactly the same thing. Um, and then once I have the account, I would suggest dial in risk down because when you have it, you get a bit excited. <laughs> um, and I think, because obviously, you know, you are only a few trades away from losing at any one time. If you just accept smaller risks, smaller profits, you're going to likely have the account a lot longer as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, 1% phase one and two or, well, kind of 10 shots, basically. So 1% or half percent, depending on what the max drawdown is. Um, and then when you have it live, maybe half what you would be using on the challenges just to make sure you keep the keep the account. And what what was your biggest ever payout on a on a account? Um. My biggest ever payout is probably, it's been nothing really insanely crazy, um, but about just over 20,000 from a, from, yeah, from now. That's pretty good. So um, it is, it's good, but uh, you know. Did it take you a long time to get there or or was it like a one month, like the start of the month? Oh yeah. So generally my trades, because I don't trade um, hugely high frequency, I'm not really trading every single day. I just trade setups when they come around. You could generally hit that off of like, you know, a couple of good trades um, because yeah, like I say, it's it's kind of higher time frame focus or when I do trade lower time frames, I'm very selective with the setups. So yeah, um, not like a massive compound of loads and loads of different trades. It's normally just going to be a few trades that basically make up the month of profit for me. And so in terms of like your trading and, and the stats around, I mean, what's your win percentage and risk to reward ratio? So I have a, I actually have a couple of different systems because I have one which is a very low time frame for London session, which um, that's generally around 50% win rate. Um, then I have the swing trading system, which is closer to 60 because that's lower frequency. Um, and then combined yeah pro the middle ground there probably around 50 i think really when i tracked the the long time it was around 52 percent. so it's really only half the trades to take is what i'm going to win so um yeah and what's the risk to reward on those um, oh yeah risk reward for the for the higher time frame it's averaging probably about one to five one to six and then for the als thing i was talking about that's generally just like a one to three is is really the average sometimes you get like something crazy but the majority of trades are going to be around a one to three. <laughs> the, right. the, it's, it's outlier when you get a really big one. And when you're like looking to take profit, are you using the the chart and fundamentals, or are you uh, just setting a fixed take profit and or trading stops or something like that? Um, yeah. So if I'm taking profits, it's going to be a fixed take profit somewhere, um, and then on the way up to that, I will consider taking partials or trailing stops depending on the price. So. If I'm holding a trade for ages, I definitely will be taking partials because I don't want it to turn around and I end up not getting paid anything. Uh, if I was trading kind of a lower time frame, because the thing is the system I use is somewhat dynamic. So you could like pop in and day trade um, if there was an opportunity uh, or you could trade it on higher time frames. 
If it's a day trade, I generally just try and kind of set and forget. I will go break even because I don't want to turn a win into a loss. But I try and kind of maximize it. I don't really like partial taking too much because I think it chops down a lot of the profits. But if you are going to be in a trade that has the risk of totally flipping on you, then it is obviously worth taking uh, some profits on the way. So for me, really, I try to stay in the whole position to the end. But if we start to hit kind of somewhere where it looks like it's going to reverse, if the profit's reasonable, um, I'll take little bits along the way, essentially. But yeah, hold as much as possible because you you cut down the profits a lot if you take too many partials. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, what about the instruments that you're trading? What markets are you looking at? So mostly is just GBP USD, Euro USD, um, and then the cross between is Euro GBP. But that one I haven't really traded much recently at all because it's been ranging for about two months. Um, but yeah, yeah really, just those just those majors. Um, and this year I've been trading a bit of USD JPY as well, based on fundamentals. That is um, obviously the dollar monetary policy versus the yen monetary policy. Kind of made it quite easy to to get the directions. So. The, the core ones, Euro USD, GBP USD, and Euro GBP, and then just kind of pop in with yeah, USD JPY, AUD USD sometimes, but it's all dollar focused. Um, a lot of them do correlate, but quite like that because, you know, I just essentially track the dollar very closely. So then uh, the correlations are not too, not too bad. It's quite nice. Um, and then I have Euro GBP as the cross because if you, Euro USD and GBP USD are moving together and I haven't got an opportunity there, um, Euro GBP eliminates the dollar and kind of gets you yeah. the middle ground between those two. So that's why that's why I do it that way. What about how many uh, trades are you going to take in a week? What What's your sort of typical number with your higher and lower time frame strategies? Yeah, so general really is going to be between kind of like one to three per week. Um, some weeks is going to be a fair bit more. Um, other weeks it will be pretty much zero. I can do weeks where I do zero if there's nothing there for me. September has been the slowest month in a long time. Uh, last week was, I think I took three trades and every single one of them started nice and then went to break even. So <laughs> I'm having a, a sad time in September, but generally one to three, obviously some, some weeks will be zero if there's nothing around. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes there'll be a week where, for example, the ALS system I was talking about, um, if that prints three setups in a day, I essentially will take them all. Um, potentially we've dialed down risk to avoid a, a big, massive, horrible loss. But um, yeah, it depends on the systems with, yeah, average one to three. Uh, ALS, what does that stand for? Um, it's Asia liquidity. So it's just, it's essentially the opposite of like the London breakout strategy. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's just trading the, the liquidity around the Asia range essentially, but in a very, very simple way. <laughs> and are you, are you trading uh, just purely London and New York? So because I trade the higher time frames somewhat um i will execute those and hold those for longer but for the most part yeah any executions i do take will be london and new york and if i'm trading if i'm taking a trade i'm not planning to hold for a few weeks um i don't try to i try not to execute at like 5 p.m uk time which is the end of new york really so london new york together is kind of the session to trade like essentially like 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. and then it's a cutoff. I don't really like taking anything at like 3 p.m. onwards because I know I'm going to have to get out soon anyway. Um, but then when it does come to like a swing trade, if I was looking at something on the daily four hour, I will hold that for a few weeks. So I don't mind getting in at any time for something like that. What about like coming into the weekend? So you you know talking about holding a trade for a few weeks there. So let's say for example, well actually I don't start off with a you know the size of your stop loss. Just because the weekend spreads come in and well, actually even overnight spreads come in and can, can stop you out. So I'm guessing what's the size of your stop loss so we can get that like locked away yeah. typically? So for a swing trade, it's going to be 20, 30 pips, something like that. Um, okay, one so that's that... stoppable, right? You know, you yeah. can get stopped out on an overnight thing. So so what would how would you be dealing with that overnight spread issue if price hadn't sort of pushed away from your entry? What do you do yeah. there and, and especially with the weekend gaps and stuff? Yeah, same thing for the weekends as well is if I'm not well positioned, I just get out. So if I've just entered a sell, for example, um, and it's like 5 p.m. and it doesn't move anywhere till till 9, 10 p.m. and I'm going to get the rollover um, where the spreads go crazy, I'll get out and I'll try get in again tomorrow. Um, same with the, the weekend. Let's say I'm in a trade and it's running, you know, 100 plus pips in profit. I will generally hold over the weekend then. Uh, I'll make sure to take something if possible. Um, but 
if I'm not well positioned, let's say I got in on Friday and we're only up 10, 20 pips. I'm not holding that because if we get a big gap, it's game over. Yeah. Uh, and same again, if there's like big data or if there's anything going on, like, you know, major meetings or geopoliticals, like the whole Russia, Ukraine thing, or during the pandemic, for example, um, times like that is where you probably don't want to be holding them over the weekend <laughs> because it saw some of the gaps, they go crazy. But yeah. yeah, general general week by week trading, it's just I'll hold it unless I'm not well positioned. You know, if we're not already somewhere in profit, it's worth getting out and then getting back in. Mm. Okay, and and so what about like um if the, you talked about you have got a fundamental bent to what you do. What uh or how did you get yourself educated on that first, and then after that, give us a little bit of detail around what kind of things you're going to use for fundamentals. Yeah, fundamentals is quite. It's a tricky one to get educated on. There's not a whole lot of uh, education yeah. on it. I was reaching out to people on uh, Instagram. I was tagging people in my story trying to get, because I know a few people that are really good with fundamentals, trying to get someone to coach me on them. But um, everyone's like, nope, sorry, don't do it. <laughs> so eventually I just had to like uh, dig in. So I was just looking at the data. I had a brief understanding of um, kind of monetary policy, how interest rates affect currencies. Um, that was from things like Investopedia, the website. Um, that was just, you know, there's a lot of articles on there mm. about, things you macroeconomics essentially um and then it just came down to looking at past date like past economic data so saying okay um when the monetary policies you know say if the country is continually in increasing interest rates you notice obviously there's other factors as well but as a general rule say the currency is going to go up um versus currencies that have got like flat interest rates so example usd jpy now um us essentially been raising interest rates for ages the us dollar uh, the japanese yen the J bank of japan interest rates are negative and they're not moving so they're very very low demand currency because there's not really any reason to hold money there um unless obviously the dollar goes uncertain and then the us dollar being world reserve safe haven and the interest rates are going up it gives more yield so a lot of money is going to go into the dollar out of the yen so then that's how you get the kind of concept of usd jpy is going to be bullish for example so um, it was just picking out data points like that and really digging into kind of, yeah, websites like Investopedia um, and then just kind of Forex Factory and reading up the articles and kind of things. So there's a lot of articles from banks and also from fundamental analyst websites and things and kind of seeing how they view things and how each different aspect affects it. But yeah, one thing I do wish is that there would be a more good fundamental analysis education because I was trying to get someone to teach me and I yeah I couldn't find anyone to do yeah, it. It's, 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 uh, yeah, and the thing is, I suppose it's being confident in terms of the thinking behind it as well. So you don't want to like go and do the, your own education and then somehow get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and then you end up spending yeah. the next year doing this fundamental stuff that doesn't work and you, you're yeah. screwing yourself over. So, so how did you integrate that into your system? Because obviously with the back testing, done probably just purely on technicals how did you integrate yeah. the fundamentals to make sure you weren't i suppose either interrupting your, your own back testing data or or um giving yourself an edge so you, you did improve it yeah so fundamentals is a case of kind of forward testing and just looking at charts as opposed to actual back testing so i'd say forward testing um i don't know if that's like a made up made up word but basically um it's where you you know let's say there's an interest rate decision this week and it was like yesterday or something. And that was um, an increase. And then there's other economic data that you piece together that suggests you probably think the dollar is going to go up now. Then rather than actually executing a trade on that, you just trade your system as usual, but monitor that, okay, from this day, I think the dollar is going to go up um, to here, for example. So essentially like an imaginary trade, you know, you kind of get the concept for a trade, but you don't actually execute it. Right. Um, and then you just monitor that as it goes so it's kind of i call it forward testing because you you're testing with the the forward data as opposed to the the previous data um and you can obviously do that as well with past trades so let's say there was a trade it's going to work better obviously for swing trades otherwise you're probably going to get lost and confused in the in the noise but if you're looking at a trade on the daily time frame um from like three months ago you can go and look at kind of what the economic data and the, any articles or the actual data itself was saying around there and kind of see if that makes sense as to what you think would be you know the right way to trade it yeah it's, it's interesting isn't it it's it's um i mean and, and is this something you'll like if you decide on the direction is bullish for for whatever you're going to only trade longs or would you sometimes trade against that fundamentals for a shorter term kind of trade yeah it, it definitely depends i think if you come to like a day trading 
environment. So if you're trading like through London or through New York or through Asia session, from my opinion, the only real effect that data generally will have on those kind of trades um, will be obviously actual high impact data causing volatility in the trade. I don't think you really need to worry too much about understanding kind of the whole macroeconomic picture if you're just trading like a day trading system, because in that point, anything can happen day to day. It's going to be the longer direction. So, you know, if you're looking to take a swing trade for 400 pips, then data economics, macroeconomics is going to be really, really useful. Mm. If you're getting in and out in, you know, 20, 30 pips every day, it's not really going to have much weight on um, what you're up to. So, yeah, I think it has its place for the high time frames. But from my experience, I know there are ways to use it in day trading. I don't think it's like a, uh, an essential now, what about your typical trading day? How do you break that down? Yeah, so I just get up, have a coffee, <laughs> go outside for a bit. And then um, when it comes to trading, just come for London session. Uh, just have a look over the charts. Basically, most of my prep I do on a weekend. So I spend Sunday uh, afternoon, evening prepping up charts, looking at any macroeconomics, what happened last week, what's happening this week, um, any data I need to avoid, any data that could be used as like a catalyst for trades. Um, so most things go down on a Sunday and then I'll prep my watch list as to, okay, if this gets to here, I'm going to look for a sell, for example. Um, and then through the week, it's mostly just using kind of what I prepped on the weekend, plus anything that obviously has changed. So if one of my ideas got totally destroyed by some, some data or something, then I'll just kind of refresh on what I'm going to look for the other way, for example. So day to day, it's just, um, yeah, around seven to 9am is prepping setups. And then the rest of the day is just kind of alerts and monitoring those, um, while I do whatever else and just keep on keep on top of it. Uh, and then I'll check back in around New York if nothing's gone down and just see if there is anything kind of formulated on the, the lower timeframes or anything like that. So it's quite passive because most things are done on Sunday. But um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Now, what, what about um, in the beginning? What do you think made you different from a lot of the other folks that have gone through and done your... Uh, or learn your system or learn what you do and you obviously see how they sort of react to it and stuff what, what do you think made you different what traits did you have this is a funny one because i i say uh i don't really think i am a natural born trader in any right <laughs> i don't think i have specific characteristics or traits naturally that helped me uh, like i found it very hard and um you know it is still a constant battle to keep on top of emotions and uh you know any interference or mistakes and things like that so from a trade perspective i don't think i'm anything special for trading um i think i'm like 99 percent of people that come into trading so yeah uh, as for what traits make me different i probably don't really have that many (laughs) (laughs) well maybe what what traits are you sort of seeing from from the folks that don't um don't find success what what do you what what do you see What, what do they do um as for actually making it work if that's the 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 kind of question it's definitely persistence and also patience and kind of being willing to kind of adapt things to you know what actually works um so for me like obviously focusing on the swing trading that worked a lot better than than day trading um and the problem i see with a lot of people that don't succeed is you would suggest that okay if you're finding it hard to you know get around the low time frames this early in your journey go to the high time frames and some people will be like oh no i don't want to and it's like you know you you gotta be willing to kind of adapt let's say you're working around a job and you're trying to day trade it's not ideal it makes more sense in my opinion to kind of adapt to that go to the higher time frames learn that way and then scale it down when you've got the time to so being willing to adapt and then just massive persistence and not giving up on it but doing the right things so doing the boring stuff doing the back testing doing the studying doing the journaling um a lot of people will not do the boring things and i always bang on about it i'll probably annoy people in my youtube videos talking about it all the time but it's, it's, yeah, the willingness to do the things that people don't want to do is what's going to get you better than everyone else, basically. Yeah. Oh, look, I think that's great advice. Um, now, what about uh, if you had to recommend somebody, you know, actually go through this journey of getting like all the education, they're, they're brand new, all the way through to growing a, an account, what steps would you recommend? Um, definitely to start with, Either decide whether you're going to learn from someone else or go the self-teaching route. Regardless of which one you do, definitely demo trade a lot to start with. Don't even think about putting money in a real account for a while. I did that. Learned from experience. Not a good idea. Um, Focus a lot on backtesting and journaling all the trades you take, even if you think they're awful, um, you know, because that's things to learn from. 
probably don't worry about tracking the mindset and emotion side immediately because you need to actually build out a system first. So it will be a, a kind of a process of studying while backtesting and demo trading and just kind of trying to piece things together uh, as to kind of what's going to work for you. Uh, and then just backtest religiously, essentially build a lot of information from that, see what, you know, what is working, what's not track the wins, track the losses, find out the patterns in the losers, the patterns in the winners, try and exaggerate the winners and kind of get rid of the losing patterns as well. Um, and then from there, once you've got kind of a solid foundation down, you've got some good backtested data. It seems to be working. Probably do open a live account, but a small one because you need the emotional side of things. That's when you want to start tracking the emotions, the processes, and how your mindset is interfering with how well you actually trade. Um, and then from that point, once you start to develop some consistency on small accounts, the way I would say to go nowadays for most people, because most people don't have loads of money, is probably prop firms. So yeah, working with a prop firm, make sure it's a good one. <laughs> um, and then start small and scale up from there. So start small, get, get, you know, get some form of payout uh, and then start going bigger after that. And yeah, just work it from there. So it's really a slow process. And um, please don't use prop firms straight away because you'll lose a lot of money. And please don't trade live straight away because you'll lose a lot of money as well. So yeah, start out mm -hmm. slow, demo, backtest, scale it up from there. Make sure you're journaling everything along the way. So you've got continuous learning to do. Uh, and then when you're ready and you know whether you're making money or not, I'll tell you if you're ready, then go and get a prop firm challenge. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I'm glad you actually mentioned that last bit. Now, um, what a, what about outside of the the journaling that you did? Do you have any other sort of mindset things that you can share with the listeners, like a hack or something like that, that's helped you? For mindset wise, I think a lot of the the confidence I get comes from uh, the the back testing and the journaling, the data, the boring stuff. So um, definitely emphasize all of that stuff, um, and also. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot about patience because I think the reason a lot of people mess up um, is because they have kind of twisted perceptions of what trading is going to get them, which is fine. You can make money doing it. Um, you probably do very well, but you need to kind of focus your mindset more on the actual process right now, as opposed to the concept of, you know, going and buying that supercar or whatever, which I know a lot of people are focused on <laughs> too yeah. early on, um, you know, so slow it down, kind of understand you don't need to make massive percentages every month. Um to do very, very well. You just need to be consistent, not lose a lot. Um, you know, as if you can not lose and win a little, then you're going to be all good. Uh, and think about the process right now. Think about what's going to help you improve today, this week, this month, as opposed to, you know, what you're going to spend your money on in a couple of years. Don't think yeah. about that now. You've got to solidify it first. Otherwise, that's never going to happen. So yeah, kind of coming into the moment and focusing on the process and the system over the actual money side of things is, is the biggest kind of tip for people. I, I just thinking about that, I think people have got a, a warped sort of view of the value of things and, and money as a whole. Like, and to, I mean, I just what sprang to mind was a, a little cartoon I saw where somebody was like trying to buy a, um, I, don't know, I think it was like a car for for $25,000 or something, right? And then they're like, oh, yes, sir. Yeah, here goes the money. I'm going to buy the car. Thank you. And then um, somebody goes, hey, what, do you want to buy this app for like 99 cents? No way. What? 99 cents for an app? You're kidding me. And <laughs> I was freaking out. And it's like, I think that is a sort of like one of the biggest issues that uh, people have in terms of just their perception of money and how that sort of, you know, um, I suppose impacts there's there's an impact on trading because of that kind of weird perception that we all seem to have. I mean, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, you kind of sort of mentioned them before, but any any other ones? Yeah, I think um, definitely the the perception uh, plays a role in in trading because I think people don't want to put a lot in, uh, but they do want to get a lot out, uh, and everyone's too focused on yeah, kind of the the payday as as towards the process. So. Um, yeah, I think just shifting the perception to to focus on, more so on actually getting some a system that works and getting something dialed in is going to be better than focusing on, you know, I'm going to make this much per month by this date, for example. Focus on how you're going to make it happen as opposed to, you know, it happening. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It was just complete um, mind warp. Now, um, what about if you had to sort of say to somebody, look, go away and spend the next month mastering this, what would it be? Ooh, one individual thing. One thing. If they had to go like, here's here's your challenge, go and do this for the next month. I think um would really be 
which is going to be the boring answer because you've heard me say it before. Pulling apart journal trades. That's that's the big thing. Um, so, you know, track things and then learn from your own trading. That's the best way to learn, in my opinion. Once you've got to a point where you've got something that works, if you pull apart what you're doing, that's going to tell you more than anyone else can tell you because mm. you get to see what you're doing wrong. Mm. So, and I also know it's something that most people probably aren't doing. So I'll I'll happily suggest it again. Yeah, make sure yeah. you're tracking everything and pulling it all apart. <laughs> nice, nice. Right, we're going to dive into some quick fire questions here, um, and then wrap this thing up. So, what about uh, let's go with yeah? What's your recommended trading book or resource? Um, a few of them. We have trading in the zone. I think you've probably heard that one a million times. Yeah. Um, the Daily Trading Coach, as I mentioned, that one's definitely really, really good. That one's lesser known, I think. Um, then there's The Mental Game of Trading by Jared Tendler. Oh, yeah. Um, and Trading Beyond the Matrix by Van Tharp as well. Those are the good psychology-based books and getting you into doing good habits. And then I actually really, really love, um, less so, actually, they do have a lot of value in the whole Market Wizard series as well. Um, I don't know if you've, you've read those. Or I've to those. heard, uh, I haven't done the whole series. I've done one, one book. I can't yeah. There's one. a lot of them. They've got, uh, some good insights from, from traders. You know, you learn a few things, but they're also very interesting to listen to because it's like a lot of the trading grades and they made one as well recently called the unknown market wizards. And it's more so about like the modern day. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that was made in 2020 or 2021. Um, so it's like a lot of modern traders and stuff in there. So they're really good. You get some good insights from each individual person, good like perspectives. Um, but they're they're less education focused, but there is good insights in there and then mm. a very interesting read. So, yeah, now, a, um, sorry, mate, go on. No, that's it. Just there's go the collection ahead. of books that I would suggest. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what about a preferred broker and trading platform? Look, folks, I know you want the answer to this question. Which broker is this trader using? Now, the answer has been sponsored by Black Bull Markets. So to find the answer out, you're going to need to go over to tradingnut.com, find the show notes page for this guest, and then all will be revealed. Awesome. All right, before we wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Um, probably I have a YouTube channel. And then also to get hold of me, probably on Telegram, which would be... Um, are you able to put links in the description? Yeah, we'll put we'll put all your links on your show notes page, uh, okay, so and we'll have a link under here. But if you want to mention it, I'll, my guy will put it on the on the here on the video, so at least I can yeah. see. It. So the only reason I asked is because I don't know what my Telegram name is. Oh, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> no, right, so we'll, what we'll yeah. do, folks, is um, we'll put links in the description. Um, right, look, a big thank you to James for sharing with us today. Everything we discussed here, as I mentioned, will be in the show notes. There'll be a link in the description on the podcast or the YouTube video. Uh, and until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Tired of missing trades or spending hours at the charts? Introducing my Robot Builders Club. With our platform, you can build bots in minutes, not weeks, without any coding required. Get lifetime access to my video course, VIP community, and over 40 ready-made robots. Works with MT4 or MT5, and as a bonus, you'll get three months access to my Robot Lab, where we build and test bots on live calls every week. Join the hundreds of traders who are trading smarter, not harder. Click the link in the description to learn more, get the free training, and download a free robot. Folks, there you have an interview done and dusted with James. Do remember, we did shoot that video afterwards where he breaks down the strategy, so go and check that out. Uh, we've got the live streamers hitting the channel, New York and London, all covered for you. We've got the recap of the Blue Guardian Challenge. So you're going to find out how Gensler actually went and passed this challenge in phase one. And last but not least, if you're looking to automate anything, go and check out my Robot Builders Club. We're doing some great stuff over there, all on Trading Up. Folks, have a great week, and we'll see you next time.